Hello, and a warm welcome to the Scots and Us podcast from the American Scottish Foundation. My name is Jamie McGeehan, and I'm very glad to welcome you to our 13th episode of the podcast, The New Normal, in which we'll be taking a look back at some of our recent podcast episodes, as well as looking forward to some exciting news to come. I hope you're all doing well as we turn into November. There is indeed so much happening here with us at the ASF. It's a pleasure to be with you and thank you as always for tuning in. Back in September, we were joined by the brilliant Laura McGee, a hugely talented Scottish musician who was living over in Nashville for a number of years, working with some very esteemed musicians indeed. Laura has been a great friend to the ASF for many years and in this conversation she joined Camilla Hellman, President of the American Scottish Foundation. Here's a wee bit from that podcast episode, re-emerging, reflecting and remembering. Laura, good afternoon. I'm so glad Hi. to see you. <laughs> Hi Camilla, it's lovely to see you remotely. <laughs> so Laura, um, as Jamie and I were talking about September 11th and the upcoming observance commemoration of the tragedies of that day. We spoke about how important music is to strengthening and giving us a way forward at such moments. And I I told him how you and I had worked together, not just in the United States at the uh, British Memorial Garden, Hanover Square, which is now the Queen Elizabeth Garden, but also in London, um, where we had undertaken commemoration concerts with the British families. And you performed with the Coldstream Guards. That's right, yes. And that really was wonderful. And you have also put together a wonderful track, which was commemoration. That's right, yep. Well, I wrote this track. I actually made my first trip to New York back in 2004 and that was my first trip to Tartan Week and I got a chance to visit Ground Zero and see you know, actually see the extent of it over in New York and how it affected everybody and the people that had lost their lives and it really struck a chord for me to write this piece so when I got back home to Scotland I wrote this piece called Commemoration and then later I performed it at British Memorial Garden in New York and also down at Grosvenor Square in London so it's just been a piece that's it's kind of you know it was written from a very personal point of view but I've actually been able to share it with so many people across the world and it just shows you how music can really sort of bring people together and really be a source of healing especially for something as as tragic as 9-11 you know. It is a tremendous healer music The garden at Hanover Square has a lot of Scottish elements in it. It has Mm. um, stone from Scotland. It has uh, has Caithness stone pavers. And Moray is the stone with all the maps. So it's wonderful that you represent the sounds of Scotland in in the song Commemoration, which if we take a break for a moment, we'll now play.
So, Laura, when we met in around 2004, when I think you were over, as you said, for um, Tartan Week, um, I was so impressed with you, and and you were this young, vibrant fiddle player, (laughs) and it was wonderful to have you join us in London um, and to then play at Grosvenor Square, Um, and to be with... How many pipers did we have? I think we had the Black Watch and the uh the Coldstream Guards that day, didn't we? The one at Grosvenor Square, yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, that was yeah. I think I believe that was 2009 because I think I was I'd made the trip down from Scotland to London and then we were going over to Nashville at the time. So it was great to kind of tie that in with a tour and just be part of such a wonderful event and I sang the song Give Us Hope with the Fulham Camerata Choir and that was just such a buzz because it was just such a beautiful song and it struck a chord with the whole commemoration of of 9-11 as well. One of the um, wonderful moments at Grosvenor Square was when we placed the stone, we placed the section of stone in Grosvenor Square prior to being shipped over to the United States. The British families, I think, gained such strength from all these things that we did in order to help them uh, connect in some way. And I know your music helped them greatly. So at this point, you're living back in Scotland, aren't you? I was still in Scotland, yeah. I didn't move over because I moved to America to, to be based in Nashville and do more of my Americana music around about 2010. So this was '09. And I was still living in Scotland and doing a lot of gigs and stuff, obviously self-promoting a lot of my music in Scotland, in the UK. And yeah, it was a great opportunity to come down to Grosvenor Square and be, you know, by the American Embassy, the beautiful Memorial Garden and the Coldstream Guards. And it was just a spectacular day. And it was just definitely something that one of my career highlights, I would say. That was the brilliant Laura McGee there in conversation with Camilla Hillman. And we heard Laura's original composition, Commemoration, a beautiful and moving tribute to all those affected by the 9-11 tragedy. We're going to have some more music now. This is Mark Copeland with First Night in Glasgow after lockdown. Mark recently took part in our Sounds from Scotland online concert and I was so moved by this track. It really is wonderful. A fantastic Scottish musician. This is Mark Copeland with First Night in Glasgow after lockdown. Skeleton streets nursing broken bones Who is this stranger upon which I roam? Who's this imposter, this gallus fraud? What he done with the city I love? Yeah, come on, you each answer, how long will it be? Till I can run back outside with these itchy feet. How I long to be laughing with my friends in the mess. Drinking in the lorist and that's the place I like best Yeah, 
2020, the challenges in the way forward episode in which we were joined by Joni Smith from the Scottish Government. Joni is the Scottish Government's Councillor for Scottish Affairs to North America. Good afternoon Joni, um, I'm so grateful to you for joining us um, for in conversation. Uh, it, I cannot believe how long it's been since we've been able to connect like this. It's been a very difficult few months. It has, um, it feels, it must be January perhaps since I last was in New York and since I saw you all, so um, lovely to be here and talking to you today. Thank you. Um, one of the things that all of us are aware of is that how the Scottish office, for us in the Scottish American community, is how the Scottish office since it opened in 2000 has made such a great difference to how we are able to connect back to Scotland. You are there as a great conduit and partner to so many of us. But I wonder if people really understand all you do. You have a huge remit with a small team and we're always amazed by all that you managed to do for us. Yeah, I mean, happy to try and um, explain a bit about what it is that what it is that we do on a on a day to day basis. Um, as you say, we are a small but mighty team. Um, we've uh, the office, I think, officially opened in two thousand and one in the British Embassy in Washington D.C. And the Scottish um, government has had a presence within the British Embassy there since since that time. Um, I suppose, in short. Our job is to contribute to the effort to improve Scotland's international reputation 
And in so doing, make sure that we are um, encouraging people, as we describe it, to live, work, study, invest and visit Scotland. Um, and we do that in several ways. Um, by building partnerships um, and raising awareness of the Scottish Government's policy approach to issues of global significance. So, for example, we um, have signed memorandums of understanding with the governors of California and New Jersey to commit to work together on um, issues related to climate change. We promote Scotland's culture and our higher education institutes um, showcasing excellence in those sectors um, as often and as loudly as, as we can. We work with our wonderfully engaged um, and enthusiastic diaspora groups um, to ensure that you can amplify our work and share those core messages with your huge networks. Um, we work with the Friends of Scotland Caucus in Congress, um, highlighting policy areas of interest to members' offices and working with them and again with the diaspora to help arrange events on the hill at key Scottish moments. So, um, St Andrew's Day, Burns, Tartan Day, there's nothing quite like seeing Capitol Hill full of um, bagpipes and kilts. Um, and then also we work with our trade and investment body, Scottish Development International and our national tourism agency, Visit Scotland, to help create opportunities to increase trade and exports to the US and increase investment in, uh, back into Scotland. Um, America is Scotland's largest export market um, and also our largest source of inward investment. So a hugely important audience. And um, if you, the easiest way to follow what we do and to keep up to date with what we're doing in country is to follow our, our Twitter account at ScotGovUSA. That's um, where we kind of keep people up to date with the ongoing activity and um, everything that we're doing on a day to day basis. My goodness. <laughs> well, I, I've always known how much you do, but the scope of having to handle the whole of the United States. And I, do you also have, you handle Canada too? No, we don't handle Canada now. Um, we used to, but we now have opened our own um, Scottish Affairs Office out of the Ottawa High Commission. So there is a Canada team there. And there's also a Scottish Development International Trade and Investment team there. So they do, they do Canada. America's quite big enough, I think, for us. I think so. But with the um, challenges of COVID, how have you had to adapt? Because Scotland is still on quite a severe lockdown as so many parts of the United States are. Yeah, I mean... Much like the rest of the world, um, the Scotland and the Scottish Government are having to adapt to this new and, and very fluid situation, really. Um, home working is the new norm in Scotland. Um, there's a small core team within the Scottish Government um, who are in the office supporting ministers and that kind of thing. Um, but from what I understand, around 9,000 employees are currently working from home um, from the Scottish Government um, who would normally be in the office. Once again, technology has been central to making that possible. Video conferencing, video calling, they are the new norm. Um, and the entire Scottish Government um, structure has been redesigned with people pulled in from right across the organisation to work on the COVID-19 response. Um, in terms of 
for us in the USA, um, everything is different here also. Um, in the initial stages of the outbreak, um, colleagues from within the Scottish Government team, myself included, we volunteered as part of the embassy and in fact the um, UK's US networks crisis response. So um, there was a huge repatriation effort you'll be aware of to get people back to the UK and we were part of that work. Now we, like everyone else, are trying to come up with inventive and new ways to engage people um, virtually, um, which is fascinating, being based in a town that's so person-to-person -person and relationship-led as Washington, D.C. Um, but as we adapt to the new normal, I'm doing things like this, which are way outside my comfort zone, but obviously a hugely important and useful way to engage with our networks right across the, the U.S. But we will be, across the rest of the year, delivering a series of virtual events focused on policy, showcasing culture, promoting our universities and supporting export growth and investment um, and celebrating key Scottish moments. So planning is already underway for, for virtual St Andrew's Day, so keep an eye out. Oh, good. <laughs> that, you know, I felt, I really felt that one of the roles we've managed to do at the American Scottish Foundation in these past months is unite our community. Um, first of all over here, but also back in Scotland. And we hear that from so many of them, how they've been missing uh, the Highland Games or all the different events, but the virtual, has, they've really in, embraced it and, we, and it's really grown and magnified everything. And the virtual events back in Scotland, whether it's the Braemar or the Stirling Highland Games or, or taking walking tours through the museums, they are really enjoying it and I think that's helping all of us. And thank you so much to our guest Joni Smith, Scottish Affairs Councillor to North America and Camilla Hellman, President of the ASF, as they discussed 2020, the challenges and way forward. And also on the challenges and way forward episode, we were joined by Gus Noble, President of Chicago Scots and CEO of Caledonia Senior Living and Memory Care. Gus told us all about how the local community have rallied together in support of the Scottish home. Good afternoon, Gus. Um, I'm so glad to have a chance to catch up with you again. Great to see you, Camilla. Great to see you, Jamie. How are you both? We're doing okay, I hope. Um, Gus, I wanted to take a tr um, this opportunity to talk to you a little bit more about all that you have been doing during this time of COVID, because when we last spoke, there was so much that you were tackling through the, for the Caledonia Senior Living, and the Chicago Scots are playing a great role in that, as they always have. So could you sort of give us a little bit of a, an overview of all your ch the challenges and how they, um, you've met them? Well, thanks for having me on uh, again, guys. I really appreciate your, your friendship. And I do hope that everybody watching out there is staying safe and being well in every way. Um, interestingly, we are six months almost to the day. Uh, a couple of days ago, we realized it was six months to on the 14th of September that, we, uh, that we'd locked down our campus. We've been in lockdown for six months. And I'd recorded a video message sitting in this chair um, recognizing that there were 
change was afoot, that change was on its way, that our lives were about to be changed in ways we really couldn't fathom at the time. Um, I remember thinking language is going to be different and surely we're going to be wearing masks and the way we engage with people both inside and outside the campus, behind and in front of the locked doors of our, our campus was going to change. But I thought it was important to kind of make, make a point that throughout the last 175 years that the society has been around, we've, we haven't changed. You know, they're, they're, we've, we've pivoted with the times as we've been required. Like a, a tree that has strong roots and can blow in the breeze, we've been able to kind of stay true to ourselves but be relevant to the times. We've, we've chimed with the times. And so it is that I recognize that we have always delivered life's most important things, home, family, and love. And if we stay true to those, I, I, I saw a way through. And that's exactly the same message we have now. Though the world has changed uh, beyond measure in many ways, what we must do is hang on to the most important things, home, family, and love in this context. Those have really informed our approach to everything. We know that in long-term care, in senior living, which is the part of all of our lives that is hit the hardest by COVID-19, this awful virus targets our seniors and the most vulnerable amongst us most viciously. Therefore, in this field, we are faced with the most stringent restrictions. We, we, we locked our doors. Heavens, we've never locked our doors in 100 years at the Scottish home. Therefore, we must find a way, despite COVID-19, to dignify and deliver loving care, despite what we are restricted by. So we really needed to kind of think creatively and critically about the, the systems that we had in place in years gone by. And just as the great thinkers of the Scottish Enlightenment weren't afraid to question what they inherited from yesterday and whether it would be right and relevant to tomorrow. We thought critically about prevailing industry norms and the way we did things in years gone by and thought, will those work to make residents feel comfortable, comforted, dignified in every way? And, and many of them didn't. So we, we had to find new ways of making sure that everyone remained safe and uh, well in, in every way that we could think. And to that point, when we spoke last time, you explained how the community rallied around and really supported everything, uh, what you were doing and the challenges and how the Chicago Scots played into that, yeah. who are, of course, the organization out of which the home was born. Could you, I was just really wonderful when I heard about what had happened. Maybe you could share that a little bit. Yeah, kind of uniquely in the, the uh, community of Scottish organisations, our, our principal charity is a nursing home um, called Caledonia Senior Living. We, we built the original Scottish home over 100 years ago and most recently in, in 2016 opened a new centre where we uh, have delivered a, a new model of memory care for people living with Alzheimer's and other dementias. That's called the McLean House. Uh, that's given us a kind of very concrete and singular purpose. As, as a community, it's served us so well through the years. Um, 
this year we celebrate 175 uh, years. It's our 175th anniversary. We're the oldest charity in Illinois. So we really want to have a big celebration of, uh, of this wonderful achievement. Um, the first past the, the 175 year post kind of thing. And delving deep into our archives and our records, what I found that uh, the, the, the society has come together, the, the Scottish community, has rallied together around the Scottish home so often through the years, during you know times of war, during the Great uh, Depression, during a fire which destroyed the home literally down to its uh, ashes. Um, the Scottish community rallied round, gathering round the dying embers of the fire and committing to rebuild. Um, and so it is with COVID-19. The moment we locked our doors, our phones started to ring. My email started to to ping all over the place with people saying, what can we do? Uh, a letter writing campaign started between a local dance group, Highland Dance Group, the Thistle and Heather Highland Dancers, who have rehearsed in this building for generations. And the dancers as individuals bonded and became friends with the residents. When they could no longer come in and enjoy those friendships, the dancers immediately picked up pens and sent photographs and here's what I've been doing with my life, how are you? Um, similarly, through our local PBS station, the local community sent in this great, huge poster drawn by local school kids saying, we love you. You know, we, we know that life is hard for you at the moment, but we, we are, are sending you our, our very best and our love. Um, the, the, the community created a meal tray so that our frontline staff who are truly, truly, you know, you see these signs everywhere saying heroes work here. Well, I can tell you how heroic I see these staff. When I say they find new ways to dignify every relationship, that means they get to know individuals, individuals both with whom they work and who live in, in this building, these buildings, and really connect to them in a way that is of the moment. You know, they say, this is what's going on in my life. Tell me what you're thinking. You know, there's a real kind of human connection that, that has become even more important through COVID-19. So the, the, the community of Chicago Scots bought meals, bought pizzas, barbecue. They sent it in to recognize staff. They sent us donations to help us issue uh, hero pay to those people who were braving, you know, the unknown, who in the earliest days of this lockdown, nobody really knew what was going to come next. But these people just, you know, got on the bus, they, they turned up at work and they honoured the commitment they'd made to care. So the, the surrounding community, the supporting community did all we could to, to help them as they were doing those things. And then the, uh, the dance group did something that I will remember all my life. I was sitting here in my office and outside my window on a Tuesday afternoon at four o'clock, I heard a bagpiper start to play. And you know that sound of a bagpiper kind of resonating around the community. It's really kind of thrilling. And I looked out and there were the dancers performing in our gardens outside the resident windows. And four o'clock every Tuesday through this crisis, rain or shine, these dancers have shown up 
and perform for their residents. And this, the sound and the sights that we have every Tuesday steals our determination. You know, the, the, the sound of the bagpipes was used to lead armies into battle because it's, it's rousing. Well, so it is when we hear it here. It's a reminder that we will prevail and we will prevail by staying true to who we are. What a beautiful message there from Gus Noble of Chicago Scots and the Caledonia Senior Living and Memory Care, joined in conversation by ASF President Camilla Hillman. A wonderful conversation and we're always so pleased to hear from Gus, who does so much for the Scottish community and is a great, great friend to the ASF. Next up, some music. This is Starry Skies with Be Kind. Won't you comfort me? Won't you hold my hand? Won't you lie beside me? Help me understand. Let me comfort you. Help you make a plan. I will walk beside you. I'll do everything I can. This is no rehearsal for you, for me, for anyone. So I'm gonna spend all of my day being kind to everyone. I'll be so kind to
So I'm gonna spend all of my days Being kind to everyone I'll be so kind to everyone Let's be so kind to message in that song. That was Starry Skies with Be Kind. It really has been a challenging year for everyone and a wee bit of kindness goes a long way. And now we feature a wonderful conversation with Sean Kearney, director of the Scottish Banner. Based in Sydney, Australia, the Scottish Banner has been keeping our Scottish global community informed for over 40 years. Sean joins us to share insight as to the beginnings of the banner and Sean shares his passion for the Scottish global community, the readership of the Scottish banner and it really was such a wonderful conversation. Good afternoon Sean, how are you? Good afternoon. Hi Jamie, how are you? Great to be here, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we can talk to you on the podcast as we find out all about the Scottish Banner, which is such an incredible um, resource for us all over the world. And it really is it's such a pleasure to connect. Can you tell us a wee bit about how the, the Scottish Banner uh, got started and the origins? Thank you. Certainly. Um, the banner actually was a brainchild of my, my parents. Uh, we at the time lived in Canada uh, and we had a Scottish restaurant and pub. And this is, you've got to take yourself back, those who can, uh, to the 1970s. And in the foyer area, of the, as you entered the restaurant, we had a bulletin board. And on that bulletin board, it was chock-a-block full of, you know, it could be a Highland Games poster, it could be a pipe band event, it could be clan functions, it could be a Robert Burns supper, and the list goes on. And really, my parents at the time thought, well, we should just start a little newspaper for our local Scottish community here in the kind of the greater Toronto area. Uh, there was a lot of Scots who had emigrated to Toronto. And um, obviously there was already quite a vibrant culture of Scottish community there with Highland Games and dancing and piping. And and my mother, who basically became the, the driving force of the paper, wanted also um, really child-friendly hours. She had young children at school and obviously the restaurant pub businesses is a nighttime economy. And she wanted to be able to do that kind of balance of mother, but also still working. So that is, in a nutshell, how it began in the 1970s. And from there, it went beyond just the greater Toronto and it went nationally across Canada, eventually into the U.S., bought out a, a U.S. publication. Um, and then we eventually got it to the Australian and New Zealand market. And that's where we ended up some 44 years later. Absolutely. What a fantastic story. What a fantastic insight as well. It really is. It's family centric. It's all um, originating from family. That's incredible. 
It, it, it really was. And, um, and when I mentioned Robert Burns, uh, that was a, the other thing. My uncle, uh, very famous Robert Burns actor, John Kearney, he was coming over and it was that type of information like to get how do we know that John Kearney is coming over? How do we know that uh, such and such Highland Games is coming up? Well, the Scottish community didn't have that. And of course, you have to take into consideration there was no Internet. There was no Facebook and all of this stuff that we you know, thrive off now. So getting information uh, and getting news as well from Scotland for the expats was a very different thing in the 1970s. So there was a great thirst and hunger for this type of news, not only news from Scotland, but, you know, the expat news as well and the expat happenings and, and events. Absolutely. And and with the Scottish banner playing such an important role as it does, keeping us all informed in our global community, what trends have you seen in readership in recent years? Uh, well, I think we're, 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 A, we're super fortunate just as a Scottish community to have such a vibrant culture. Like, I can't speak for other kind of ethnic backgrounds because I don't know them as well as I, I know the Scottish community. But, um, you know, there is so much to do and so much to take part of, um, whether it's clans or music or um you know, the heavy events. There's so many genres within our community. I think that's been really good for us uh, in in keeping our trends of our readership and that we have super loyal readers, which I'm so fortunate to have. Uh, we've also opened up a new digital readership, so that would bring in some younger readers. And I think there's still a thirst for information for what's going on um, it, both within the Scottish community abroad, but from Scotland itself. And with our readership, um, they are enjoying all our different writers, which really do come from right across the globe. And I think that really helps us give it a really unique twist. You know, we have a Australian, Canadian, obviously from Scotland, the US, uh, con contributors who are just keeping the paper brimming full of information and stories. Absolutely. I think that's brilliant, having that real international approach, not only um, to distribution of the, the Scottish banner, but also to the, the creation of the, the news stories and articles, because truly Scots are all over the world. So that's it's fantastic having that international approach. Fantastic. Yeah, they, they, you're right. They're everywhere, the Scots. And though you might find one community differs from the other, there's actually more common interests and, and bonds that, that would connect the communities. Um, so whether you're sitting in St. Louis or up in Toronto or on the beach at Bondi in Sydney, there is a real common thread and bond of being an expat Scot, whether that is uh, someone who's first or second or even fifth generation. It's, it's the, the connection's very strong. The Scottish Banner is wonderful for sharing news on events that take place all over the world. Of course, this year has been a wee bit different. Do you have some virtual events that have, that have stood out for you this year? Uh, I, well, I've seen quite a few. Um, I have actually watched virtual events that have taken place in Scotland, Canada, the US and Australia. And I think all of them combined. And, you know, we're, we're talking, I've saw some of the Edinburgh Festival. Uh, 
I know clan groups have had virtual clan gatherings. We've obviously had numerous Highland Games around the world doing incredible stuff. Like, I feel so sorry for the organizers of these amazing cultural events that I know the work that these guys put in, these great volunteers often put in, um, that the fact that they have gone ahead and been just resilient in the year of 2020 has just been an incredible achievement. And also, for instance, this month, I think we're uh, Wigtown's book festivals doing a virtual festival. Now, I've never been to Wigtown, but this is an example of how you can actually take part in something, you know, whether you're around the corner or across the world. And and it's that type of interactive uh, event, Balmoral School in Pittsburgh, they're, they're going all uh, online digital presentation this year. And there's numerous other events coming up. Uh, so it's those kind of uh, great innovations that are keeping the Scottish culture certainly alive. And, you know, we obviously all will want to come back together and see each other personally. But this is a great stopgap. And it's probably also going to open up some opportunities for a wider audience going forward, even when we're all able to gather again. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I feel like I've, I've become aware of so many more events, organisations and people in not only the Scottish community, but in the wider community as a result of the, the last few months. And it's been fantastic to see so many events go online and using new technology. I was wondering, with the development of the internet and social media, can you tell us a wee bit about the, the journey of the Scottish Banner also delivering content online? Yeah, well, social media is certainly uh, super important for us. Uh, we're very active on social media. Uh, I have to say during the lockdown, um, during this whole pandemic event of this year, um, our social media seems to have taken a whole new uh, lease of life. We, we've got so many new followers. Uh, our posts are, you know, are reaching now in, in the millions every month, uh, which is quite incredible. Um, and I think keeping that online presence is uh, totally necessary. And it also helps so many um, different organizations. You know, we could be talking about uh, festivals like Scottish events or festivals, um, keeping the information flowing of what everyone is doing. Uh, we don't want anyone to think that just because maybe an event's not happening, it's, it's gone or it's, it's, it's that all that hard work also didn't matter. These people have put in a lot of hours to keep things going and putting in even more to keep them going in a virtual uh, way. So for us, social media is super important and we're, we're connecting with all kinds of groups and clubs and individuals, to be honest, that we probably hadn't many years ago. And we're just, uh, it's keeping us super busy. Absolutely. Well, you do such great work in keeping us all informed and keeping us aware of what's happening out there across the world and the quality of the, the content, the article, the photographs. It's just absolutely remarkable. The Scottish banner is fantastic and we fully appreciate everything that you do. That was Sean Kearney joining me in conversation for the Our Global Community podcast. And it was such a pleasure to talk with Sean. He really is such a passionate figurehead for the Scottish global community 
and I must say, if you don't have a subscription for the Scottish Banner, I fully recommend it. Next up, I'm joined in conversation by ASF President Camilla Hillman as we look forward to events ahead. Good afternoon, Camilla. How are you? Well, I'm not too bad, Jamie. It's very grey and rainy up here in, in New York, but um, it was a wonderful um, look back over the last couple of months just now. Thank you so much. I really especially wanted to say uh, what great musical segments we had and always good to hear from Laura McGee at this special time in her commemoration track is so powerful and uh, she's such a great force within the music business. Her music's incredible and I think she's taken so much from her time in America. She's a wonderful artist. And we're going to involve her um, in a few weeks time in the Scottish North American Community Conference which is going to be dealing on many different subjects which we'll get to in a second but she will be part of our, the arts and cultural um, panel we're hoping uh, because of what her time down in Nashville and her work with the caches which will so that'll be interesting to hear from her during that conference as well and so I, I wanted to give a special thank you to our guests in this week's podcast uh, to be joined by Joni Smith, who leads on the Scottish affairs in Washington, D.C. as Councillor for North America. It was a very special moment to be able to catch up with her and hear about how Scotland is approaching things at this very difficult time. And Gus Noble at this time is such a leading force in our community over here, and not only as head of the Chicago Scots, but leading on looking after the Caledonia home, senior care home at this, in these very difficult times. And then you caught up with Scottish Banner. I did indeed. It was such a privilege to speak with Sean Kearney from the Scottish Banner. He really was such a great guest. And the Scottish Banner, it's, it's an amazing resource for the whole Scottish global community. And Sean was a fantastic guest. He was lovely. It's amazing that he's based down in Australia. Um, I mean, he really speaks for the total global community. So going forward, I just wanted to um, note that we have launched, of course, ASF at Home, which are going to be our once a month Zoom chats. So the third Thursday of the month, we're going to do a talk with um, around an interesting subject. We began it this month in October with a wonderful talk with Mary Meanders, who took us on a journey with Mary Queen of Scots and the influence that the powerful men in her life had on her. Um, that was wonderful. Now we're going into November uh, and on the 19th, Jamie Douglas Hamilton, who traversed Drake Passage, rowing it as one of a team of six, wow. is going to join us to tell us about the, this incredible journey he made, which is just coming up on its first anniversary. He, um, I think, arrived there on Christmas Day. It's going to be so exciting to have Jamie speak. It's going to be amazing. And of course, um, the other side to this is there's a very um, direct connection for the ASF. His grandfather was the brother of our founder, Lord Malcolm Douglas Hamilton. Also, all the brothers were intrepid explorers and early aviators, and it seems to have gone straight down to Jamie. 
uh, with his passion for uh, for adventure. So we look forward to that. Um, that'll be on the 19th of November at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the details for registration will be on our website very shortly in the next few days. And then um, we, of course, have the Scottish North American uh, Community Conference, December the, th uh, the 4th to the 6th. And this will bring together leading members of the Scottish American community. Um, we will have via Zoom. Reservations are $20 a session or $45 for the whole weekend. And you can tune in and catch wonderful panel discussions and presentations. Um, amongst them, we will be hearing from Lord Bruce, who will talk about the 700th anniversary of our growth, from Viscount Dunrossel, who will lead on uh, a, genealogical, uh, a genealogical and heritage discussion. The Lord Lion will bring us news from the Lion Court and many, many different things. And we will also be discussing with members of our community how they've been tackling the Highland Games, the, uh, the different challenges that their communities and uh, organizations are uh, making their way through at this time. And also the biggest point to this is the influence on, of Scotland on our community, historically and today in the arts, in education, in dance, in all these different forms um, of, of uh, culture. Absolutely. If you would like to visit our website at scottishleadershipconference.com, we have all the information about the conference there. And with tickets being $45 for the full weekend, it's great value and there's so much to look forward to. Yes, and um, so we do hope everybody's going to lend their voice because we do want to hear your questions and ideas. It's very important at this time. So we do hope that you'll be joining us again soon. We have another podcast every two weeks. And, um, and then, of course, we also have the Sounds from Scotland um, monthly live streamed concert as well with more news around that to come. Absolutely. Thank you, Jamie, for all you're doing. Thank you so much to ASF President Camilla Hellman for joining me and thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us for this episode of the Scots and Us podcast from the American Scottish Foundation as we embrace the new normal. To keep up to date with us, please do visit our website at americanscottishfoundation.org or see our social media channels where we are active across Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at americanscottishfoundation at gmail.com. We're always very happy to hear from you. These are indeed challenging times, full of change, but we stand together as friends and in friendship we find strength. I hope you'll join us on some of our upcoming events, such as the next ASF at Home event with Jamie Douglas Hamilton, which takes place on Thursday 19th of November. Tickets are available from our website this week and we look forward to that. Also, I hope you'll join us for the Scottish North American Community Conference December 4th to 6th. There's so much to look forward to. Until we meet again, take care. I'm going to leave you now with some music from Mike Nisbet, from Mike Nisbet's debut album, This Is Paint. From all of us at the American Scottish Foundation, see you soon.
picture of me on your wall Painted red, painted dark, painted tall Draw tall, strong man with a strong, strong face Draw tall, strong man hanging over this Spanish or a Portuguese Father, won't you draw the men you see? Won't you pick up the paintbrush for me? Tall, strong men hanging over this space.